You are now listening to Bookish. The canon continues. The podcast that's dismantling the sacred secular divide with your host, Michelle Collins. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Bookish. The canon continues. I am your host, Michelle Collins. And as Taylor so nicely put it, we are here to bridge the sacred and secular divide book by book. Uh, It's our passion. It's what we love. We're bookworms. Whatever you want to call us, I'll own it. I'm good with it. I have to wear glasses all the time now because this is what I do. I have a stack sitting next to me of books still to be read, and I promised another one to somebody today. I have a sickness. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's what's going on. Anyway, we are here, and we're going to do something a little different today. In all the recordings that we have done in this current round of Bookish and even in the previous, we had not done anything fiction. I was a little nervous. I don't quite know how we do this, so we're going to feel our way through it. Um, But I get to have with me sharing the microphone, somebody I care deeply for and have great respect for. Um, I'm sure many of you know her. She just has a book out, and I'm going to let her talk about that. Um, But my good friend Meg Calvin is here. Meg, say hello. Hello. (laughs) Said exactly the way I said it. Very nicely done. (laughs) Uh, um, Do what I can. Well, of course. So here at Bookish, I'm trying to establish some root set of routine for myself because I function better that way. Right. Um, but same. one of the things that I like to do, yeah, exactly. It's otherwise we'll be willy nilly. We'll be all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, but so one of the things that I like to do is have the person sharing the microphone with me just give me kind of a to stay on theme, a back of the book jacket intro bio on themselves. Um, but it's okay if you go a little over, don't worry about it, but I'd love for you to tell us who you are, what you do, and you should throw in your book there as well. So go ahead. Okay. I'm, um, so glad to be here and have so much respect for you as well. And I'm so excited Mm -hmm. to dive into this book and I, um, I respect you as a mom and as a, a wife and as a communicator and, um, as someone of great grit and grace. So I am. I expect you, I respect you on a personal professional level. So, and you can tell it's during the quarantine and that this extrovert hasn't talked to anyone today. So pardon the compliment dump. Go right ahead. Go right ahead. Talk as much as you need to, because I understand completely. So, yes. yes. So I, I, Meg am a, I'm an, I'm an author, a coach, a speaker and a podcaster. And I like to serve people who consider themselves spiritually attuned go-getters. And what I mean by that is they don't play small in the name of religion. They own their ambition and they love chasing goals. And I, I coach people in creating content and marketing content. Um, and my, the latest book that came out with Choir Publishing Company, our, 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 our lovely beloved publisher that does this podcast Yay. and doing your <laughs> upcoming book and Mm-hmm. The, that book is called I Am My Own Sanctuary, How a Recovering Holy Roller Found Healing and Power. And the two-sentence pitch <laughs> that I have narrowed no down <laughs> is that it is a satirical and spiritual book that encourages other recovering holy rollers to own the divine within them and take back the power from others in their life. Awesome. I'm going to have you help me come up with my two sentence. Yes, please. Have you helped me do that? 
<laughs> the book was great. Of course, I have it and I've read it. Uh, I did. I laughed all the way through it. I thought it was awesome. You have a great sense of humor. Um, and then, of course, much of its content struck home as far as the deeper stuff, you know, mm-hmm. the, the healing process, how we pull ourselves up, how we go on, how we start to view God, you know, not only outside of ourselves, but within ourselves. Um, so I thought it was a fantastic book. So if you haven't read that book, everybody, you should go get it by Choir Publishing, as she mentioned. Um, so now I'm going to let you introduce the book that you have brought to the table for this podcast. Awesome. Today's book is titled A Man (laughs) Called Ove, and it's originally in Sweden, Swedish. It was written in Swedish. It's from Sweden. It's by Friedrich Bachman, and it is a beautiful book, a work of fiction about a man who is a straight up Grumungeon. <laughs> and I I uh I I think it's interesting. I want to say it came out in 2012, 2014. Um I don't have the book in front of me. I gave my copy to my my beloved grandfather who I see a lot of. Uh, I think it was 2012. 2012. Okay, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, 2012 and I think it's really interesting that I'm the first um that this episode is the first time that we're exploring a work <laughs> of fiction because I sometimes don't even consider myself a bookworm. I'm a bookworm wannabe, but I don't consider myself <laughs> one because all I do is nonfiction and in my mind I have this skewed view that true bookworms love love fiction. And <laughs> oh yeah. I do I honestly do. Yeah, so, yeah. I do. I I would say and this is a rough estimate, but looking at last year, I, I probably outpaced my nonfiction reading with fiction reading. And I know I read close to 200 books last year. So oh, that's fiction, of course, is, yeah, I think fiction is a great part of, you know, just that step outside of the norm and the reality. Mm-hmm. And it allows you, it's, it's, it's imaginative, you know, and it, I mean, that's not to say there's not that kind of same essence within nonfiction books, but there's just something about storytelling that's that's almost magical. Mm. Um, and I have a quote, I think, that fits this, and I just pulled it up on my desk to look at it. Imagination is its own form of courage. Mm. And that's what I think of when I think of fiction is th- these these stories that people tell, you know, that, that they're pulling out of themselves. And that takes a lot of courage. You know that as a writer. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of courage to put pieces of yourself out there to begin with. But in this format where you're trying to tell a story that grips somebody and pulls them in to where they want, they have to keep reading, mm-hmm. you know, it's, of course, there's great works of nonfiction that that have those elements, but fiction just seems to bring that up much more readily. Yeah. Or at least in my opinion. I don't mm-hmm. know what you think, but oh, <laughs> at least yeah. in my opinion. Yes, I second <laughs> I second all of that. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. And okay, what's so, really interesting about oh, pardon me. No, 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 go right ahead. What's really interesting about this work of fiction is the author, Friedrich Bachmann, he was a truck driver forever oh, in wow. Sweden and then thought, I'm gonna try writing books. And so he <laughs> did and he's written Many, not just one, but many. And apparently this is this is another reason why it's weird. I love this book so much because it apparently is one of his darker ones and one of his slower ones, really? which I think that's where the beauty is in it too. And yeah, yeah. But um, I think that's huh. another reason I love it is because I love this idea of at any minute we can all expand a little f- further into our full potential. And yes. I'm so glad that he thought... I liked, I like making money driving trucks, but what if I wrote a book? (laughs) (laughs) 
On some level, I have to say, as somebody who has worked very hard to create content, sometimes mm-hmm. I'm a little bit annoyed when I hear things like that. <laughs> what the heck? I'm just going to write a book today. And I'm like, what the hell? I, it's taken me a year to drag this out of me. And you just sat yeah. down and wrote a book. You know who that reminds me of? Mr. Keith, Keith Giles. I was- yes. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. I tease him nonstop about his ability to just put out a book and nothing flat. I'm like, God, I'm over here agonizing over every little word, and he just seems to flow with it. So I maybe I, I need wonder- to start driving truck. Maybe yeah, that's start driving trucks, or be like, be, be be like Keith and do like a oh, I don't know how many years, twenty years worth of professional copywriting. There you go. <laughs> I don't have that kind of time. <laughs> oh, I know, right? I'm right. older. I don't. I'm older. That kind of time is gone past. <laughs> <laughs> but I also did not know that the book was originally in Swedish either. And I kept trying to figure out what monetary value he was talking about. I was like, mm. I don't know what that is. Yes. So I had to. I, now, now I understand a little better. But yes. So let's talk about that for a minute. Let's talk about because yeah. the idea, of course, in bridging the sacred secular divide, is that something that you're reading in it somehow translates into something spiritual for you. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least, I don't know, maybe it doesn't for everybody, but I, I tend to think you probably fall in that category. So what oh, was totally. it about this book? Yeah. I want to see, I know I can read people. <laughs> yes. Oh yes. Um, but what is it about this book in particular that, that really inspired you? I mean, so why this one, why did you choose this one? I have five, five points to answer this question. Okay. Go right ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I will try to pause in between each of them. Because, because no one needs to hear my quarantine birthed ramblings. I was <laughs> drawn to this one because I don't want to have any spoilers, but I feel like it's hard to talk about it without giving it away. Yeah, I think we can't wait. I think we should just not worry about that, honestly. Even if okay. I knew what this book was about, I think I would still read it. I'd probably read it again. So I know, right? Okay. Yeah. So there, the beauty of this book that brought me to it was the unexpected joy and beauty that comes in times of grief. And mm-hmm. he has in the story, the main character, Uwe, Uwe. I f- I'm pretty sure if I spoke Swedish, I should say it, Uwe. But um, I mean, yeah, that's how I, that's how I heard it in my head when I'm reading it. That's how I heard it too. So. Yes. Yes. So yeah, his, his, his beloved wife has, has died. And so there's lots of, darkness in that and grief. And so I was attracted to it because of there's a lot of moments of unexpected joy and new life and love that comes his way in the midst of that from his, the the other, I I would say like, I don't know what you consider par, I'm going to butcher her name, but Parven, Parvena, the, the, I said, I always thought it was Parvana. It means butterfly though. She, she actually said that in the book. It means butterfly. Parvana. Yes, <laughs> somewhat. There's symbolism there for sure. There has to be, yeah. <laughs> yes, and her just continuing to show up and um, work hard at loving him well and not taking no for an answer, and and so that was one reason I was attracted to it. Is this 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 joy and unexpected beauty that shows up even in the darkest of of grief? And I know. S- Su- suicide if that that might be a trigger for a potential reader because that that does come up and um often and that's a, this this other reason I was surprised that I love this book so much because I usually cannot handle heavier 
topics mm-hmm. like that, I just, they tear me to pieces. However, yeah. the way, the way that prop, I don't know, are you that way? Oh my gosh. Well, I think I already told you, I, I must've cried 15 times in the reading of this book. And when I got done with it, I put my head down and sobbed. Yes. It was just, just so overwhelmingly emotional. I sent my husband like a Marco Polo video when I got done with it. And I'm, I'm sitting there with tears running down my, fa- down my face. I'm like, okay, so you know that book I was reading? I finished it. I just have to cry <laughs> now. It was so, so, so good. And I know he's going to come home and go, what is wrong with you? <laughs> because he doesn't, he doesn't see things that way. Or I'm going to ask him if he wants to read it though, because I really think he would like it too. So, Oh yeah, I think he would like it. The I've only met him once in person, but from what I've heard from you, I, I get the vibes he would really enjoy it and i think some of his values might align with yes with with ooves for sure and that's the other cool thing about the the book is while joy and loss all coexist there's also a coexistence of times that were right. every other chapter is present tense or past tense and you get to know how uve how this how he became the grumpy old man that he is with his childhood right. and um there's this yeah, quote was- oh yeah no, go ahead. Cause I have some twos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's this one, this, um, one, one quote that really spoke to me so many, but, um, it says a sorrow and loss are constant, but if we have, but if we all had to go through our whole lives, carrying them the whole time, we wouldn't be able to stand it. The sadness would paralyze us. So in the end, we just pick it up we just pack it into bags and find somewhere to leave it. Hmm. Hmm. He he was just such a complicated character. Mm-hmm. And yet you felt like you knew him or that you had people in your life that are probably a lot like him. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and again, I mean, I know, like I said, we're going to give away things in the book and that we're just going to be okay with that. But, you know, the book starts out, you don't know that his wife is gone. When it, it talks mm-hmm. about him talking to her, you assume she's there. But very quickly, I caught on like, she's not there. Mm. And and, and I, so I realized she was, that she had died. I also realized pretty quickly that he was attempting suicide. And uh, it quite funny, uh, not that suicide is funny, but right, what was, right. struck me as humorous at the end of the book is Parvane actually says to him, Ove is very bad at dying. And (laughs) I had to laugh at that because he did try so many times Mm -hmm. and he just kept getting interrupted or it didn't work or, you know, and so here's this poor man trying to reunite himself in some way with his wife and, and the people around him just keep bugging the hell out of him and he can't Mm -hmm. do it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I, I was very moved by that. Um, but let's so let's talk a little bit about some of the themes in the book. I thought with fiction that that might be something that would be helpful to pick up on some of the themes that run through the book um, mm-hmm. and insight into that. And of course, one of them is the uh, a sense of grief all the way through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he obviously loved his wife very, very much. Um, and and of course, throughout the story, you you find out that he is a very solid man, a very structured man, um, not very talkative. Mm-hmm. But solid and steady is how I would describe him. And, yeah. but yet she was something different. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I, I underlined in this uh, when I was reading it early in the book, it says he was a man of black and white and she was color, all the color he had. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I that think line. that's one of the times I stopped to cry because I was like, yeah. oh, that's so sweet. Yes. Like, you know. And and she just brought out every good thing in him. 
Mm-hmm. Even though he argued with her constantly over every little thing. Yeah. You know, and he, and she, I think she found true um, humor in him. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure she didn't always appreciate everything he did or said, but I feel like she always felt, brought some humor back into it. Yeah. And, and that unconditional love, she had to have had unconditional love for him because he was a difficult person. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I don't know. The way he loved her just really struck me the whole way through. Um, all right, you pick a theme because I have yeah. another one, but I want you to pick one. <laughs> yeah. As as you were, as you were. Okay, theme. I was thinking, as as you were speaking, it made me think, though, that this book is kind of like a modern retelling of parts of the the, the book in the Bible, the Ecclesiastes, because there's this, oh, okay. there's just this, like, coexistence of this time of sadness, time of joy, and yes. um, that came to, that came to mind, but that's not a theme. Okay, uh, the theme of... Oh, it's a good insight, though. Very good insight. I didn't, I didn't think of that until I was hearing you just share right now about that, and... Um, He's, okay. He tries to he tries to take his own life m- more than once, and every time, yes. joy just shows up at the door knocking, or <laughs> love love shows up knocking and won't let him do it. And um, but isn't it funny? I was telling my son uh, when I was talking to him about it. I, you know, he listened very intently because he's a good son, but I don't know that he cared. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I told him I said, you know what's so funny is that the man was so put off by people being bad at something that he thought they should be good at, that he couldn't finish his own job of killing himself because he had to make sure they had done this correctly. Yes, yes. And I just, I found that endearing in some way, like, all right, I can kill myself tomorrow. Today, yes. this person needs to learn to drive or, right. know, or the snow needs to be shoveled or the cat needs to be fed or whatever. <laughs> you know? I just thought it was very interesting. Like he was much more in tune with making sure other people lived the way he thought they should rather yes. than just saying whatever and moving on, you know? Mm-hmm made me laugh but oh my gosh i laughed that's probably how i could handle a darker book like this because yeah. <laughs> i you, you 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 cry on one page you laugh on the next you cry on one page right oh you yeah. do i think yeah. that i think thing, i had a smile on my face the whole time i read it when i wasn't crying oh right oh me too me too and some time. um someone was writing that this was I think I've already mentioned it, but one of his slower books to read yeah, you said it wasn't, the, it wasn't the page turner of his others. And part of me likes to think I want to give the author credit for that because that was so uve there or oove. There was, yes. this, there seems yes. to be this <laughs> slow, methodical, everyday perfunctory rhythm to him. Yes. <laughs> Plods on and, um, okay. The next theme, sorry, next theme. I, Wonder if you felt this one too, and that's the theme of personal evolution. Oh, for sure, yeah. And even yeah, though he, it was so, oh, sorry, go on. No, no, go ahead. You can tell I love this book. I apologize. <laughs> no, don't apologize. Just talk. <laughs> even even those subtle moments of when you're evolving out of a relationship that you have evolved out of, and when uh, an example of that in the book is when his. I assume there, I pictured him as being older than 59, but apparently his character is only 59. And so I'm thinking back in their 20s, I can't think of his his then best friend in his 20s, but he bought a, he didn't buy a Saab. He bought a different kind of car, a Volkswagen. Rune. Rune. Rune, yes. And then that moment, yeah, (laughs) that moment, that little moment in time, 
And I think we've all experienced those where we realize in a relationship or with others or relationship with ourselves, this little bitty tipping point happens and where we think we're done. We've evolved away from that and out of that yes. now. <laughs> so, and then of course, I did appreciate their, Oh, yeah. Yeah. I appreciated their relationship. I was sad that it was broken so often, but mm-hmm. I appreciated that there were times in, in his telling of it that they didn't even have to speak, that they were on the same page. Yes. Oh, it's so um, true. And I think that really spoke to a deeper relationship that they had lost along the way, which was very sad. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and of course I'm sure, and I think he did too. I think he regretted that because at one point in the story, he said something close to the, it's, there wasn't enough time or this wasn't supposed to happen yet or something like that, Mm -hmm. where you almost felt like he was grieving this, this relationship, this friendship, because he didn't have time to go back and make it right before his friend kind of slipped away. Mm -hmm. And I found that very sad. And, and again, there's so much here that speaks to how we live our own lives, you know, which we'll come back to, but Um, that was one of the things that struck me, like the evolution of their, of their relationship and friendship Mm -hmm. Um, and, and how sad it was that it slipped away like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. But I, I think one of the things that's pervasive through the book, or at least I felt it, um, was a sense of him suffering almost from depression. Oh, like yeah. Like a long underlying life of depression. Cause I mean, when he was young, of course his mother died when he was very young. Yeah. Um, and then it was just him and his father. And then of course his father dies mm-hmm. and he hadn't even finished school yet and he's left on his own and he just takes over working. You know, you never see him emotionally go through any kind of grieving process, um, to, to deal with the death. And then there was the neighbor that he saved and then he lost his own house in doing that. You know, and just over and over and over all the way up through his wife, Sonia and their baby and the accident that, that broke her, you know, there was just so much that I feel like was such an overwhelming period of grief, an extended period of grief that there had to be some level, at least a low level of depression, Mm. um, which is maybe why he had shut himself away from so many people after she died. And, and even up until then, because his relationship, like I said, with his friend had kind of slipped away. Mm -hmm. Um, and without his wife to kind of bridge that gap, you know, he yeah. he was stuck in this dark, lonely, silent place, it seemed like. Mm-hmm. So very, I don't know. I pick up on things like that. I've suffered with depression for most of my life. So I pick up on those things and I go, oh, I can see how I would feel there. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and it, it makes you stop and think uh, quite mm-hmm. a bit. But I don't know. Any other themes that you that you can think of? I had another one written down like connection. Oh yeah. Um, There was either um, low levels of connection or, you know, people trying to make connection. Mm. Um, And of course, as you go through the book, you find out that those connections are what pulls him out of that, that sense of grief, that sense of not wanting to be there anymore. Yes. There was still work to be done. Yeah. For him. Yeah. Yeah, I I, wrote my, think about, I guess this, this is the same thing as what you said, connection or similar, this idea of a supplemental, a supplemental family that even mm. this old mm-hmm. man, he needed a supplemental family and Parvana yeah. and her family were that and Patrick became that and these other yes. characters became part of um, part of his supplemental family that loved on him when he lost his family. Yeah. 
I thought about intergenerational relationships as another theme. Oh, for sure. Yes. The beauty and need of healthy intergenerational relationships. Yeah. I loved the part where the the one little girl, Parvana's little, her youngest daughter, in the backseat of his car, um, drew him a, drew a picture and everybody was in black and white except him. He was in color. Yes. And the mother had to explain, she draws you that way always. And he was like, what do you mean always? Um, <laughs> but that she saw, she saw in him nothing but color and humor. And she was three years old. And that's what, she, that's how he looked to her. Oh, like he wow. was funny. And I thought, well, how beautiful is that? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we, we grow up and I think we have a tendency to start uh, boxing people into what we think they are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, often it's the eyes of a child or a pet or something that kind of shows you a different side of somebody else. Mm-hmm. So while everybody else thought he was so you know, curmudgeonly and, you know, not happy, this little girl just saw laughter and light in him and color. And so that was one of the themes that I saw kind of throughout there, that sense of color as denoting something, you know, alive. Yeah. While he seemed to be dying, there was all this life happening around him. Yeah. Um, and he just hadn't opened his eyes to it. It took, he had to be dragged kicking and screaming into yeah. the light, so to speak. Um, which, you know, had, it's charming, but at the same time, there's a sense of sadness to that. Yeah. Big and, time. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. it's a good reminder about the the community how sometimes we need others to speak truth to the lies that we tell ourselves to sound totally dramatic (laughs) but that little no no not at all did that yeah yeah that outside view is often very helpful Mm -hmm. um, because we do have we do spend a lot of time i think most of us with negative self-talk and you know living within this own idea of ourselves and our worth and having somebody else point out to us something about us that's positive is, yeah. well, for me, it's uncomfortable, but at the same time, it's also very helpful mm-hmm. um, to make you remember that I am not the sum total of what I think. I am more than that. Yeah. Oh, and, and that's what we find out about him is he was way more than he thought he was. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think he... I think he felt himself very perfunctory. You know what I mean? Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm useful in this situation. I'm useful for this. Mm-hmm. Um, I have this knowledge, but it didn't occur to him that he could reach out and better other people with that knowledge. Right. Um, like I said, he was awfully grumpy about the fact that he felt other people should already have that knowledge. and They just didn't. Yes. Um, yes. But I, one I of the know. things I loved about him was his sense of, inc- of inclusion. Like, he didn't turn people away, even though he maybe didn't have a favorable opinion about their life. He didn't turn them away. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I think I can't remember the character's name now. Towards the end, um, the kid that he met that was homosexual. Oh yeah, um, I can't. I ended can't up living with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All this. Uh, it was just so beautiful. All the love that started filling yes. his house when he opened up to it. Yes. Yeah. And, and the fact that his wife was all over his house still, the pictures and him knowing that she would approve. Yes. You know, and that, a lot of times that was the only reason he allowed it because he would look at her picture and think, oh, she'd be mad at me if, <laughs> yes. know, if, I, if I did this differently. Like with the cat. I mean, the cat was just, you know, hilarious to me that this beat up raggedy old cat ended up being one of, ended up laying with him as he died. Yeah. And <laughs> it was just so sweet. So sweet. I know some of my more woo-woo new agey friends, they they read this and they 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 believe that the cat is Sonia, his wife. Sonia. Yeah. yeah Sonia, I yeah. thought that one or that too. 
that, that's that's one take you can take. But what I would I would I would say I definitely believe that a theme in the book was the presence of Sonia, even though she had died in his oh, life sure. and in the community and in yes. the house and in these new relationships that budded in his life after grief or during right. grief. Sorry. But um, yeah, that was, <laughs> that was a, an interesting, well, interesting take on the cat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It occurred to me too, but I was like, yeah, okay. You know, but it, it was, you know, animals have such a, a healing property in our lives if we let them. And, mm-hmm. and so uh, I, I was glad to see that. Um, I thought another thing that was really amazing was, of course, he loved Sonia and he had such high opinion of Sonia, mm-hmm. even though she did little things that drove him crazy, like the radiators and, you know, yes. the, the coats hanging in the closet and, you know, all the little cute things. But I thought it was so amazing that he got to hear how she affected other people, like oh, Jimmy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or the students in her school, you mm-hmm. know, that she had to, got to work with and how much respect and love they had for her as well, you know, and he got to see she wasn't important only to him. She was just important. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really awesome too, because I think it's, it's very easy to get mired into our own feelings with another, with another person, especially in the sense of grief and forget mm-hmm. that other people are affected as well. Yeah. And that they're, they're carrying thoughts and feelings about that person as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that grieving together can actually bring a sense of peace and calm. Oh um, yeah. Because grief is, grief can be very lonely. Mm-hmm. And so having those other people around that appreciated that person as much as he did, I ha- I have to believe that had to be somewhat of a healing thing. Oh, um, definitely. Or it would be for me anyway. That's all I can think. But <laughs> so, but okay. So yeah. let's talk about some of the characters. I mean, obviously we've talked about Ove. Mm-hmm. We've mentioned a few others. Um, tell me a couple that stand out in your mind uh, in, in their relationship to the story. I love, I love Parvana and her and the, the marital roles of her and her husband and the, and the dynamics because um, <laughs> we, we see in the protagonist, I always confuse, I always say, the wrong thing. Oh, I get that too. Yeah. But the main character, <laughs> the happy one that does good, the pro the protagonist. Yes. He yes. and Ove these stereotypical Western views of what the husband should be like. And right. then and then this beautiful couple moves in and Parvana and him, Parvana and Ove have more in common than Parvana's husband and Ove. Right. And I think that's I I think that's an, another theme really of in the book of this just obviously maybe it's not a theme but these changing times of how millennials and xers do life differently than boomers and builders and yes uve's this grumpy old boomer that um there's one <laughs> quote that says uh men like uve and rune were from a generation in which one was what one was what one did not what right. one talked about and so yeah. i think there's that all that going on but i i thought that was beautiful to see um how Parvana was this very um, strong-willed, determined force, um, totally large and in charge. <laughs> and that was really <laughs> exciting to see in her and how her husband was different than Uve, but was still loving and serving and providing for the family well. Right. I, I think she was an absolute powerhouse character in the mm-hmm. book. Uh, it, and, and not even in a subtle way. She mm-hmm. was all out in front, um, 
pushing in and demanding and refusing to take no for an answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I loved that she had even, it, it wasn't a whole big section, but she had her own little relationship with Sonia, even mm. though she'd never met her. Right. But just that time at the gravestone between her and Sonia and, and we're left wondering what they spoke about because he doesn't bring it back. And I kept waiting oh. to see if he would. Yeah. Um, but I, I tend to believe that she was taking responsibility for Ove and saying, mm-hmm. I'm, I've got him. Mm-hmm. You know, and because she was so, and as I said, I mean, we've already ruined the story for most people. Of course, Ove's wife has died. He's tried to commit suicide numerous times. He keeps getting interrupted. Um, yeah. These people keep inserting themselves in his life and drawing and dragging out of him what they need from him. And he begins to find that he's useful. And mm-hmm. um, as you can almost expect, I almost expected it because they mentioned a few times his heart fluttering. Yeah. Um, so I knew something was going to happen, but he ends up having a, a cardiac emergency and I thought he died initially. I thought he died. I just sat there. I had to put the book down and cry for a while. Right. Um, but you know, just her complete breakdown in the hospital, uh, to the point of injuring a doctor and saying, I'm not leaving. He, uh, he's important to me. I'm staying. Mm-hmm. And this is just a little Iranian woman that moved in across the street from him with little right. kids. I mean, they had no connection, but she had, she had connected herself to him so strongly that he became her family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved the fact that her daughters called him granddad. Yeah. Um, I thought that was so precious and sweet. Uh, even though you could tell it made him kind of uncomfortable at first. Mm-hmm. It was only later. Because he does survive and he comes home and he lives, you know, several more years. But um, just all their relationship together, they were, because her husband, you know, Patrick's there, but he kind of gets left out of the conversation a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it, and it's her that is, you know, the main connection. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I was very intrigued as well, and and there wasn't a lot on her, but on Anita, um, because I think Anita was, of course, suffering in her own way. Anita was Rune's wife, mm-hmm. and had lost her best friend. Sonia died; that was her best friend, mm-hmm. and so I'm sure there was a period of grief for her, and then having a husband who has Alzheimer's and, and having to deal with the emotional fallout of that and the physical fallout of that, yeah, you know, and not having her friends around to help with that Mm -hmm. Um, because of some perceived wrong, you know, that both men never talked about. (laughs) It seems so silly, but um, (laughs) I I found myself feeling very much uh, compassion for her and uh, was hoping that it would come back around to her being helped. And they did, of course. I, I loved how they brought the whole neighborhood together to help her um, in, in the situation with her husband. I thought that was fantastic. But, all right. Give me another character. Somebody oh, else. Beautiful. So beautiful. I guess one character <laughs> that was present but never named was the, the child that oh. Uwe, 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 yeah. sorry, Uwe and Sonia lost yeah. in the accident. And and that character that one probably hit home for me i mean they all they yeah. all did they all tugged at my heart yeah. I mean, in different yeah, ways but, with any of them in different right, ways yeah. right <laughs> um i guess but personally the um, that that the the unborn child hit home to me because um I I have I have funky chromosomes and so I wasn't supposed mm. to be able to have a have a child but so Henley's this miracle like all babies are and um, yes. <laughs> what'd you say 
I said, yes, she's a miracle baby. A miracle, miracle baby. Yeah. And so, um, but we can't have any more. And, and so that I really, I really related to, to Sonia in that because, um, before, before I have the, became through the, before I started doing the work I'm doing now, I was a, a minister to children and family at a mainline Protestant church for many moons. And I, it was so great to, I sympathize and empathize with Sonia because when we found out that, oh, you, you're probably not gonna be able to get pregnant. And then we got pregnant and then it was like, okay, you definitely, we need to get you spayed. You cannot have any more babies. Um, <laughs> oh <my goodness>. that, <laughs> not those exact words, but you get the idea. I was going to um, say, who the hell says that? <laughs> what doctor are you going to? What doctor are you going to? <laughs> yeah. Um, but after that, I began to see how, how God had given me other ways in my life to mother and through our, through the nonprofit programs that I headed, like I coordinated with children and similar to Sonia being a teacher. And then also in Uwe, Uwe becoming a grandfather something he'd never thought he'd be able to do. I was right. just, I was reminded of how, when we have these, these desires on our heart or these visions placed on our heart that, that are holy and good that sometimes they come in mysterious ways and in different seasons than we expected. And I, I was, I found great hope in that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I, it broke my heart. That section broke my heart too. And I think you're right. That, that child actually is a a presence in the story, even Mm -hmm. if it's very subtle. Yeah. Um, because it was after that, that Sonia became a teacher and, and she, she makes a point Uh, or, you know, the author makes a point of having Sonia's voice say in the story that, you know, I lost one child, but I gained thousands more Yeah, uh, by teaching. And I thought that was beautiful. Just that sense of being able to adopt the idea of other people as, as her, as her children or spiritual children, if you want to use it that way, but that that she did become a mother, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I think I, like I said before, I don't think he ever truly dealt with the disappointment of that. Mm-hmm. Um, other than to find anger. And of course, gr- anger is very much a part of grief yeah. um, for a lot of people. And it seemed like that he spent a, a lot of time being angry, uh, writing the letters, protesting different things. <laughs> um, you know, he, he was just, he was constantly on about something, you know, and of yes. course some of it was very personal, like having to deal with his wife or the accident that hurt his wife and took their child that of course he mm-hmm. had every right to be angry about that. Yeah. Um, and then the injustice of nothing being done about it, you know, and him having yeah. to swallow that anger. Um, I found myself like feeling that emotion. Of course, I'm very empathic anyways. I feel every emotion on everything I ever read, mm-hmm. which is probably why, you know, I sat and cried for ever reading this book. So, <laughs> um, I, I think I was telling you earlier, I, when I got done with it, I put my head down and cried and I was sobbing so hard that my dog came over. Like he was so upset. Like he had his paw up on my arm, like, are you okay? And he was whining and I'm having to tell Aww. the dog, I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> I love when I dog, love when dog's like, okay, that. you can't read that. <laughs> no more reading yeah. that book. It's upsetting you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just that much emotion packed into the story for me anyway. Cause again, I pick up on emotion. So that's, you know, I probably get yeah. a little bit more than most people do, but, <laughs> but it was still, there was so much there that I felt for him in sadness and in grief and injustice and in anger and, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to understand it for, for myself, how would I reconcile all of that? I, you know, the fact yeah. that the man lived as well as he did mm-hmm. in the face 
there's so much disappointment and so much death um, yeah. that he was still this stalwart, you know, somebody so capable and somebody so steadfast is what the words that come to mind for me. Um, and that he was somebody that people looked to for help for a lot of different things. And mm-hmm. I thought that was really amazing. Um, I just, he was such a great character, but I yeah, thought all of them were, I, and I, I felt for him. I, if you remember this part, remember he wanted no driving in the residential area and they had uh, the yes. signs up. And the one guy from the depart, the agency that kept coming, they were going to try and take Rune away from his wife. And he kept driving his car and smoking the cigarettes and leaving the cigarette butts around. <laughs> so when he goes and gets the trailer and blocks off the cul-de-sac so they can't get their car out, I almost cheered. I was like, take that. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Walk your ass back wherever you need to go. <laughs> Found myself identifying with those emotions like very quickly, you know, like um, that person deserved that kind of behavior, you know, and then, yes. and then I feel bad for thinking things like that. But um, I just but loved how he handled so much of it. Oh, yeah. And the same as you said that I'm reminded that that might have been the first time he my saying it right sought sought out sought retribution sought retribution sought out retribution yeah. or fought back because as a kid he he couldn't fight back in, in the right. incident with his dad on um when someone stole something of his dad's at work yes um, and he he was too young to fight back and then when the people and the men in the white shirt came and took his house or um, the house burnt down or something yeah um, he couldn't fight he didn't fight back so i I'm trying to think now if that was the the first time. I think time. it was because when when he confronted the man, the mm-hmm. man said, what are you going to do about it? And he, it, it describes him as standing there with his fist clenched yeah. and breathing. He didn't know what to do. He'd never reached that point where he was physically confronted with something he should or could do. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had a great response. Like he, I mean, that was kind of a silly, you know up yours kind of response. (laughs) I'm just going to block your car. But the way that they defeated that man, the whole neighborhood coming together Mm -hmm. and, and standing up for Rune and Anita and, and not allowing that man to take them, take uh, Rune away from his wife. You know, he did, he did finally do something, but he didn't do it alone. Mm -hmm. It was all of these people involved. And, and up until then, if you think back, every time he tried to do something, he was always alone when he tried oh. to do so. all of his letter reading, all of his, you know, protesting was all singular. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was only when he worked with the people around him that he actually achieved something positive from all of that, mm-hmm. uh, which can be something to be said for connection and community and, you know, yeah. um, having those relationships in your life. Mm-hmm. So it's. Oh my gosh, just so much of it though. I, you know, one of the things I had question, I wrote down questions for myself. And one of the things is what can I take away from this for my life? Mm. You know, because we tend to read fiction with the idea of, oh, it's just a story, but there is value and wisdom in it. Mm-hmm. it you know, if the author's written it well, there's something there for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you think there's something here that you can take away from it? Ooh, I'm on the edge of my seat. I want to know what you have, <laughs> what you are taking away from it. Uh, uh, I, the connection thing for me, because as you know, I'm very introverted. Yeah. Um, so I tend to kind of shut myself away from other people and, and I can see so much value there for the, for the relationships that developed. And, but unfortunately for him, they had to develop out of a sense of sadness and Mm -hmm. I really don't want mine to be that way. Mm -hmm. I would, 
I mean, my, my circle is small, but I need to make sure I'm cultivating that circle, if you will, you know, mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. to maintain those relationships and not allow them to slip away without mm-hmm. having a good reason, <laughs> you know, kind of like what he, I mean, I'm sure they had their reasons, little arguments, but it wasn't anything worth losing an entire lifetime friendship over. Mm-hmm. So, so connection for me. So yeah. that's what I'm thinking on from it. What about you? That's a big one. Yeah. I think one for one takeaway for me is seeking seeking the sacred in interruptions and mm. in relationships that come my way and I think as I as I shared when I we before we went on the air and then as I shared when we were when we were actually together in person in California last before the shit hit the fan with mm-hmm. the Rona. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with all this stuff. <laughs> all this stuff. Yeah. Um, my family 2020 has been really weird, probably for lots of people for, and, and for my family, we, we lost three, we had three deaths in six weeks. Oh, I didn't know it was that. I, I knew you had lost somebody. I didn't realize it was three different people. I'm so sorry. Yeah. So my grandfather, an aunt and an uncle, and that my aunt was my, as I uh, probably potentially overshared uh, in, at the event, um, <laughs> she, was, she was my my second mom and either lived with us or lived down the, the block from us my whole, mm. my whole childhood. And so very, very close to me. And she passed. Um, I was in the house the night that she passed away. I was, I was actually... I w- I had I'd flown home to Texas for I live in Kansas. I had flown home to Texas for my grandfather's funeral and the night of his funeral I'm staying at my aunt's house and she died that night. And um oh. she was only 40 she was only 49, um massive heart attack. Oh my goodness. Yeah, she was a baby. Wow. Um and so I keep I keep coming, I keep coming. I haven't read this book in 2 years and I keep coming back to the themes in it of how just as Sonia was a very his late wife was a very present character even after her death. Yeah that um i'm open i'm reminding myself to be open to how my aunt is still here in new different spiritual ways so i take that from the book yeah i i think that's important to remember i mean obviously we grieve people when they're no longer with us physically but they we do carry them Mm -hmm. we we carry and we actually tend to carry the best parts of them you know we tend to let go of the things that maybe were negative and we hold on to the positive Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is a great thing mm-hmm. um, because it keeps them very real in our lives, you know? And of course, when you have a close relationship with somebody, you learn so much from them. Mm-hmm. There's that hole for a while until you remember that they're still there. That hole isn't, isn't completely empty, mm-hmm. you know? And, but it made me wonder something, just this book and all. And I, I think this is something I want to ask people from now on you're a content creator. What do you think? What, I don't even know how to ask this. Um, how do the ideas in this book mirror maybe what you wrote about in your own book? Mm. Oh, wow. How do and that's a deep that? question. I know. I'm sorry. I kind of sprung that on you, <laughs> but it was just something that came to mind. Um, because yeah. I feel like when that's we create content, we do it from our, we do it from our, our experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and from the things that we're learning or, you know, we're taking in around us. So I'm just curious where you see themes in this that might mirror something that, you know, you've thought about for yourself personally or in your book. Yeah. 
I think one thing that definitely comes up in I Am My Own Sanctuary that comes up in this is this idea of how relationships are healing to us. That there is there is a lesson to be learned in every relationship and some relationships are more healing to us than others. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and being, being being open to that. And um because I I forgot to mention the theme of forgiveness, which is a big one. And maybe maybe oh, it's for a, sure, maybe, yeah. maybe it's more subtle, but he had so many people to forgive. And um I think we all do. Um but this idea that it took it took the healing love of letting other people into his life that gave him power to forgive, I think. And I think that comes up, definitely comes up in, uh, I am my own sanctuary for sure. Yeah. 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 And so, um, yeah, cause there's lots of people to, there's lots of people and situations in a man called Uve and in life there are lots of people and situations that call for our hate. <laughs> oh, for sure. On a daily basis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and knocking at the door, there are people that are yeah. working so hard to love us well, like Pravana. Yeah. I see. And, you know, that's interesting because I, on some level, I feel like I could be like him very easily. Mm. Oh, definitely. I'm just annoyed when people interrupt my quiet time. Like I said, mm-hmm. I like to be on my own and I read a lot. And it, you know, people interrupt me when I read, I must get a look on my face because almost always they apologize like, oh, sorry. <laughs> so I must get a bad look. So I can see myself being like him, like just shutting myself down and just going about my structured daily life. And, and somebody would have to really fight to get in there, I think. Um, and I would probably mess it up a lot. So I can see, yeah, that theme of forgiveness being so much a necessity um, in dealing with somebody like that, mm-hmm. you know, trying to find ways to love them better or to love them where they are. Yeah. You know, because that was, I think that was what, I think that's what won the day with him is that those people would express their displeasure with his, how he was, but they never, I mean, they just kept coming back. Mm, mm-hmm. And I love that. Um, and I think often we give up way too easily. Yeah. You know, and I hope, I hope that, those who love me, if I'm like that, would continue to push, you know, oh, even, yeah. even when I push away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will push away because that's how I am. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I, I hope that they would see the value in that. And so you look at these people and you find that they saw, they saw something in him that they, that it drew them to him, mm-hmm. you know, even when he probably was not somebody most people would be okay with. Mm-hmm. And I, anyway. I, I I wanted to read this one section of the book. I it literally I'm glad it was at the end because I was a mess after I read it. And I just read it again today and I cried all over again. Um it's at the very end. It's after, I'm probably gonna cry too. <laughs> so if my voice starts breaking, <laughs> yes. uh, my dog starts whining, you'll know what's going on. Um, but it's after he has collapsed, he's in the hospital, and they don't know what's happening. You don't know if he's dead or alive yet. You haven't been mm-hmm. told that. And so this is a little bit, it's not too long, but I'm just going to read this part. It says, death is a strange thing. People live their whole lives as if it does not exist. And yet it's often one of the great motivations for living. Some of us in time become so conscious of it that we live harder, more obstinately, with more fury. Some need its constant presence to even be aware of its antithesis. Others become so preoccupied with it that they go into a waiting room long before it has announced its arrival. Mm -hmm. We fear it 
Yet most of us fear more than anything that it may take someone other than ourselves. For the greatest fear of death is always that it will pass us by and leave us there alone. People have always said that Ove was bitter, but he wasn't bloody bitter. He just didn't go around grinning the whole time. (laughs) Did that mean one had to be treated like a criminal? Ove hardly thought so. Something inside a man goes to pieces when he has to bury the only person who ever understood him. There is no time to heal that sort of wound. And time is a curious thing. Most of us only live for the time that lies right ahead of us. A few days, weeks, or years. One of the most painful moments in a person's life probably comes with the insight that an age has been reached when there will be more to look back on than ahead. And when time no longer lies ahead of one, other things have to be lived for. Memories, perhaps. Afternoons in the sun with someone's hand clutched in, their own, in, in one's own. The fragrance of flower beds in fresh bloom. Sundays in a cafe. Grandchildren, perhaps. One finds a way of living for the sake of someone else's future. And it isn't as if Ove died when Sonia left him. He just stopped living. Grief is a strange thing. And then there's a little bit here from when he's in the hospital. It says, when the hospital staff refused to let Parvenet accompany Ove's stretcher into the operating room, it took the combined efforts of Patrick, Jimmy, Anders, Adrian, Mirsad, and the four nurses to hold her back and her flying fists. When a doctor told her to consider the fact that she was pregnant and cautioned her to sit down and take it easy, Parvenet overturned one of the wooden benches in the waiting room so that it landed on his foot. And when another doctor came out of the door with a clinically neutral expression and a curt way of expressing himself about, prepare yourselves for the worst, she screamed out loud and collapsed on the floor like a shattered porcelain vase, her face buried in her hands. Love is a strange thing. It takes you by surprise. And I literally was just (laughs) destroyed (laughs) reading that. (laughs) Just so much emotion in that short little section and mm-hmm. you know death is a strange thing time is a curious thing grief is a strange thing and love takes you by surprise and that's what you saw all throughout this book mhm it was just so fulfilling and satisfying to read yeah. oh, I, I mean i got, got done and as broken as broken up as i was emotionally i got done and thought this is probably one of the best fictional books I have ever read. Yay. I'm so glad you approved. It, it really oh, it was hands down. I sent my daughters a video after it and showed them the book. I'm like, you guys have to read them. So they're great. You guys have to read this book. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh, so I'm so glad you suggested it. It's You're welcome. Definitely a classic. And now if this is one of his slower ones, I may have to go find some of his other books and see how they are because I just was enthralled the entire time I read this. So Oh, I know. I mean so I haven't read slow to me. I know. Same here. Same here. There was a there was an intentional rhythm that I felt was very fitting for Oh. And wow. And you when you were in the last part, I was reminded that Parvana was um, was pregnant, right? Yeah, yeah, she was pregnant the I whole totally, time. <laughs> I totally forgot that part. That adds a whole other level to her yeah. crazy, determined strength. Um, yeah, she was something else. <laughs> yeah, and I told you it's a movie, right? On Prime. Oh, it is. Yep, it's on Prime. Oh, no. it, okay. It's in it's in Swedish. There's English subtitles, and it's it's amazing and um, so, amazing. so so amazing. <laughs> 
Uh, well, I'm so glad you chose that one. I Like I said, that's part of the fun of this is when people expose me to books I probably haven't seen or wouldn't read normally, mm-hmm. you know, and, and um, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't like to use the words I'm forced to read it, but you know, right, I have right. to read it for the podcast. And suddenly I realize, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I got to read this one. And this was one of those. I'm so glad I got to read it um, and get to talk about it. Cause there's just so much there. That's beautiful. Yeah. And, uh, and healing and, you know, just so much humanity there that makes you really think like, I want to be, I want to be the kind of person that finds somebody like Ove and makes him let me in, you know, right. <laughs> even though I yeah. probably am more like him, I hope I'm like the other people yes. um, and being obstinate about you're going to let me be your friend. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think it's also, so oh, you're welcome. I guess um, it's also very, I'm being reminded that it's, it could be a timely read for the quarantine we're all under right oh, now. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Especially Just, with, with the themes of connection and communication and yeah. friendship and, yeah, yeah, all of definitely. those things and checking in on one another. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know that that's, that's something we should be doing um, because it, it, even though I, again, I'm very introverted, but I, I have found I don't like to be forced to be introverted. Um, I have a little bit of rebelliousness about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be on my own, but I want it on my own terms. Um, but yeah, just that somebody checking in, I had a friend call me. Uh, well, she called again this last Sunday, but she called me the weekend before and she's like, Hey, just wanted to check on you. She's in Colorado. She's like, I know you spend a lot of time working with other people and talking to other people to make sure they're okay. I just want to make sure somebody's making sure you're okay. And I was like, Oh, wow. Thank you. What a sweet thing. (laughs) So that was kind of cool. But yeah, so it does fit into this time. Like we, we do need to, to look out and especially for those that, you know, are older and maybe shut in. Yeah. Um, Although, like you said, he was only 59 years old. I'm 54. I, that doesn't feel that old to me, to I be know. honest. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm totally thinking he was like upper upper 70s, early 80s, because my grandparents yeah. were early 80s, and they still right. ride motorcycles and go to the gym. And so, <laughs> oh, good. That, that's crazy. Oh, I'm so yeah. sorry. I, I have this bad, I have a problem of thinking of what I really wanted to say, either after okay, we got it off a podcast interview or right at the Don't end. Don't worry. So sorry. Um, I think the one of the I think one of the main reasons I was attracted to this book, fifty eight minutes twelve seconds later, one of the main <laughs> was that it it taught me that no matter our greatest fear, whether it be death or or suicide of someone we love, of um, of grief, that we can come out of the other side okay from that. Yeah, and I think. Yeah. From what I saw, I I need that reminder often. Sure. And um, yeah. with Uve, his greatest fear might have been, I would think, losing her, the only one that understood him, like that great quote you just read. Yes. But he, yeah. it happened and he's still here and he's okay right. and life is still beautiful. It's a different kind of beautiful. So that was probably, that's probably another reason why it's one of my favorite and why I hope your listeners go, go read it today or watch the movie yeah. on time and then Facebook message me and Michelle about your thoughts on it. <laughs> there you go. That's what needs to happen. <laughs> okay, well, I'm it done. reminds me of something. So now, so now I was reminded of something, so I'm going to throw in something here at the yeah. end too. Um, you know, much of what I've written on is psychological in nature and I deal a lot with grief. Yeah. Um, and, and one of, of course, one of the well-known steps of, of the grief grieving process is that of acceptance. And that's mm. very hard for people to imagine. Um, yeah. But the one thing I think that really stands out, especially 
in that subject matter. And it's, you see it in this book is that we don't ever go back to normal or what Um, we perceive as normal. We learn a new normal. And, you know, that's what you found in him. It Mm -hmm. doesn't mean he missed his wife any less and he still visited her, but he had a new normal now. He had new people in his life. Um, The grief for her would remain, but it would be less painful, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And and he would embrace that new sense of normal. And I think that that's, that's something that, and again, I think that's pretty apropos for right now too, as, uh, as well, we have, you know, our lives have been majorly interrupted. Um, and we may never go back to exactly what it was, but we'll have a new normal, mm-hmm. you know, we'll have a new way of going forward. Yeah. Um, and it's just a matter of, of working through the process to get to that. Mm-hmm. So but anyway, on that note, Meg, tell people where they can find you, where they can find your book. And I know you have a podcast, so say that too. Oh, yes. Yes. We loved having, we loved having Michelle get in our guest chair <laughs> on the Listening Chair podcast. So we, my co-host Miranda and I, we explore how career, vocation, and God's voice intertwine. And <laughs> it's a great time. And then you can connect with me at megcalvin.com. And on the website, you can get the first 50 pages of my book for free. For free. Awesome. A sample. A little sample before you commit to (laughs) LOLing at your own copy. (laughs) And um, I love love meeting people on social media, especially during the quarantine. So connect with me at Facebook, Meg Calvin, and Instagram, my is my legal name and my pen name Meggie underscore Lee underscore Calvin on the Instagram. The Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I love everybody calls it the Instagram. Like the Instagram. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. But thank you so much for coming and hanging with me today, Meg, and talking about this wonderful book. I appreciated it so much. Yay! I'm so glad it warmed your heart like it did mine. Yes, it did. I gotta. My eyes are gonna be swollen for several days because I read back through it again today for the highlights and cried all over. So I'll be swollen for a while, but you know. <laughs> Life goes on. (laughs) Anyway, thanks for hanging out. And uh, everybody should grab this book. It's fantastic. Fantastic. All right. Uh, We'll talk later. You guys hang out. We'll be ready for the next episode. I have more good books coming up. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what any of them are. You have to wait and see. Anyway. Anyway, (laughs) have a great day, everybody. (laughs) 